Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another episode of No Script, No Problem on Believe, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? I'm your host, Steve Berkowitz. I've been interviewing fascinating and talented people from all walks of life for the past 20 years as an unscripted television producer, and before that, as a small-town sports reporter. Each episode, I talk to extraordinary individuals working in documentaries, nonfiction TV, true crime, and much more. Now, if you enjoy No Script, No Problem, please subscribe and rate the show. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can also find it on Believe.com and at Believe Network. And follow me on Twitter at Steve Berkowitz and on Instagram at Steve M. Berkowitz. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. All right, let's get started. Today, my guest is an Oscar-nominated director. That's right. He is up for an Oscar this year. He's going to the Academy Awards, folks. His documentary short, Audible, goes inside the Maryland School for the Deaf's football team. It's incredible. You got to watch it. It's streaming now on Netflix. Please welcome Matt Ogins. Matt, thanks for being here, man. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Congratulations on the Oscar nomination, first of all. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about Audible. You know, it's a documentary short about, you know, right around 40 minutes long, and it goes inside a football season with Maryland School for the Deaf. I'm a sucker for the football documentary, but this is certainly special. Tell me a little bit about the genesis of Audible. So the origin story is interesting because you can't see it in the film. I live in Los Angeles now, but I grew up in Maryland, DC, about 30 minutes from the school. My whole family's there. My aunt is an ASL interpreter in the area. And when I was a kid, was an ASL interpreter at Maryland School for the Deaf for about six years. But I'd say my closest connection to that world is that my best friend, also from the area, uh, from Maryland, is deaf since I was about seven years old. And I came up with the idea and the passion for wanting to, to do Audible 12 years before I made it. It took that long. So it was a lot of, um, it was a journey of ups and downs and challenges because it's interesting, you know, in a a way the film is about representation and the 12 years that it took to get made sort of people, it wasn't, being deaf wasn't being represented, hence no one wanted to finance this until Netflix came along and really got it and understood it and dived right in with me as a partner and collaborator because they want to tell diverse stories. On a personal level, in some ways, I realized that making this film in a way was, a, was perhaps a way to, to understand and connect with my best friend who's deaf also. That's a really interesting kind of way in having that personal experience. How much did you talk to your best friend, when you're making this, did you use uh, his input uh, as you were filming the documentary short? I mean, yes and no. I mean, in some ways, being in his life or each other's lives since we were seven, I, I absorbed a lot. But certainly I asked questions and I'd say more it came in, I would show him uh, cuts of the film and uh, and just really wanting to see his reaction to this scene versus that scene. Did anything 
not work for you? Did anything work for you really well? Did anything surprise you? Because yes, this film is made for a hearing audience to understand the deaf perspective, but more so the film is for the deaf audience. So I needed to get it right. So in a, in a long way of answering your questions, yeah, I wanted to get it right by my, my friend, but also the greater deaf community, which is also why we have an amazing executive producer named Niall DeMarco, who's deaf and a deaf actor, activist, producer, kind of everything, which was not just optics, he was involved. For people who don't know, like Niall did America's Next Top Model, did Dancing with the Stars, right? Won them both. Yeah, won them both. Okay, I didn't even know. I didn't know he won both. Won them both. Okay, how influential, uh, what kind of role did Niall play in terms of this project? Integral. So first of all, he went to Maryland School for the Deaf. He played on this football team when he was a teenager. His brother is in the film. His brother, Neil, is an assistant football coach. Actually now has taken over as head coach. He was very involved for, like what I said earlier, getting it right for the deaf audience. So especially when it came to, to the storytelling and post-production and working with me where he'd say, no, Matt, you're being too careful here. You're being too sensitive. Push it a little more here. Or let's pull back here. And then something that you wouldn't think of is we take for granted when we watch a film from another country, the subtitles. Often it's a, it just comes up automatically. You set it to... English subtitles or wherever you are, and they're just localized automatically. What we did, me and Niall with Netflix, is we customized it. And so we picked where what was said and written. And it's not automatic in that Niall helped me craft it of the timing of when the subtitles came up. Because the structure, the sentence structure, the grammar of signing may be different from saying that very same thing verbally right and so the timing of when a sentence would come up and come off to the next sign it made it flow so smoothly and you wouldn't be aware of it you just sort of just feel it so he was really important the things that i always am fascinated by with sports docs is that kind of uncertainty going in is it could the team have a terrible season could could look the at that first game look at the first game that's that's what I mean. So as, as you're going in, did you have a plan? Not for the game. Yes. I had, I had a plan. I, I now don't go in and just turn on the camera and just roll for a year and see what happens. I go in with an intent. Like I go in with, okay, here's the narrative arc. In this case, we know we're going, you know, senior year, semester, a football season, we have that. And so I have anchor scenes I know I want to get that cover the different aspects in this case of, let's say, Amari's life. But in those scenes, I don't know what's going to happen. And there's also going to be many more scenes that happen that are unexpected that come up and they'll change. But like, look, the biggest thing that we never have control of is the outcome of a sports event in a documentary. Right. And you just got to go with the flow. Like talk to my 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 friends, Dan and TJ, who directed Undefeated. They didn't know that team had lost every year. How did they know it was going to get to the championship? But they believed in the characters and the team and the journey, right? I had no idea they were going to lose to Texas. They hadn't lost to a deaf team in 16 years. Look, this is terrible to say. Bad for them, good for the film. I don't want them to lose, but uh, it was very unexpected um, and very dramatic. 
for the arc of the film, it made it great to then come back and win every game after that, including to hearing teams and the last game in the film, their last game, the homecoming game is a great comeback. But yeah, no, uh, no control. And that's the scary part of documentaries, but that's what makes it exciting, right? That's the best thing about sports, right? Is it's the best and the worst thing is you're yeah. constantly on the edge of your seat. You mentioned Amari. He's certainly the the center figure uh, of the documentary. Tell me a little bit about Amari and uh, what he means to you as the, yeah. as the filmmaker. So something that no one's probably thought of, and I didn't until recently, is I always knew I wanted to tell this through the point of view of a senior, because this is really not a sports documentary. It's coming of age film using football as a metaphor. Because why, why are sports documentaries so great? Because a game is such a great symbol and metaphor for the ups and downs and challenges of life and goals in life. They really mirror our lives very well. And each game, if you tell it right, is, has a story. You can, you can tell a story through a game especially if you get to know the players in it and, and their personal lives, because then all of a sudden that game has more stakes, right? But something that is interesting is I wanted to tell it through a senior that was about to graduate because that's a real pivotal moment in all our lives. But imagine if you're deaf and going into a hearing world, right? But that also meant, Stephen, remember I, I wanted to make this for 12 years. I had to recast every year because the kid would graduate. Yeah, I'm a kid. great. Never heard anyone say this. I'm so glad it took 12 years because I wouldn't have met Amari. <laughs> so I met Amari a year before we were filming his junior year. And I just went by there because I'd go visit my family I'd pop in the school every year. Right. Watch a game, go in the locker room, talk to the kids. I had no idea Amari and Jalen were friends. You know, you have a jock and you have a gay male cheerleader. I don't know. I didn't know about Teddy. So just from talking to them separately, they both volunteered and wanted to tell me about Teddy. And that's how I realized they were friends through Teddy. So you have Amari who was born into a hearing family. He got meningitis and lost his hearing when he was about two or three. That isolation of being in a family that isn't expert ASL, you know. So you have his let's call it on again, off again, complex relationship with his father. You have his unlikely or maybe not unlikely friendship with Jalen through a tragedy. And all of those story points to me were great storytelling, but they also showed what, what it could be like for a deaf American teenager. But honestly, even beyond that, the topics we're dealing with are relationships and family and tragedy and suicide and mental health and bullying that applies to all of us right that applies to all of us it's it's relatable to all of us and so meeting Amari it just sort of and Jalen it really clicked that's dead on when you say it's a coming of age story and it's I I it never really clicked to me because I I think you're right we're programmed oh it's a sports doc but that just on the surface yeah I mean you really hit some serious topics like you said there's some drug abuse and you have a, a very serious you know there's a suicide element in there and how these kids have to deal with a friend who takes their life and talk to me a little bit about as a filmmaker how to handle these very serious topics with kids i let them do the talking and listen you know i, I don't know how much i taught them 
I hope I was just a conduit or a liaison for them to tell their story. So if you look at the film, it's not an observational film from my point of view. It's their film. All I did is go in and say, okay, we're bringing in cameras and a crew. Go tell your story. How do you see the world? You know, I talked to them about art and music and the, the kaleidoscope of how it looks came from their brains. And so all we did was create this opportunity or space, safe space for them to tell their stories going back every year for 12 years and showing up till I was invited into the school and doing more listening than talking, I think is what created that trust and bond between me and Amari and Lyra and, and Jalen. Side note, Jalen is jazzy now. Jalen identifies as female and is amazing and confident and awesome and uh, has like 70,000 TikTok followers. She goes to Gallaudet University, thriving there. So I, I wanted to say that as well. What impressed you the most about these young people who you, who you filmed for yeah. you know, a long period of time? A um, couple, couple things. One, and I can't speak for every deaf person, and I'm not deaf, but at least Amari and the kids at the Maryland School for the Deaf, and even like Coach Ryan, they don't use the word disability. Being deaf, it's a culture, it's a community, and, and sign language is a official language, right? A beautiful language, expressive. But also like no one in the film ever victimized themselves or played victim. It's live their lives. We all have things that Amari can't hear. I deal with anxiety some, you know, a lot, you know, there, we all have a thing. Yes. That's a big thing. Of course, that's way more to overcome, but I don't know. I remember asking Amari might've been the last question I ever asked him. It's not in the film. I said, if you right now could snap your fingers and hear, what would you do? He said, I, I wouldn't take it. I love who I am and I love being deaf and it's not, a, it's a challenge, but there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not missing something. I am a fully three-dimensional realized human being. I play football. I date, you know, I laugh, I cry. That's a very impressive answer for a senior in high school. They're impressive kids. Football is, you know, I, I play, you know, most people don't believe that as a 5'8", 165 pound guy, but I did play football in my youth, all the way up through division three, college, college ball. I've always felt like it is kind of an amazing place to tell the story of teamwork and of kind of a group of people coming together for one common goal. Why do you feel like it's become such a great place to tell stories, both in the scripted space and in the nonfiction world? There's, there's pragmatic reasons and emotional reasons. Pragmatically, following a sports season is a perfect narrative arc. There's an ending. There's a, if you want to call it a championship or a Super Bowl to build to, right? So it has that hero's journey, Joseph Campbell hero's journey kind of element to it. It's not just a profile. You get to follow a journey. So, so there's that because our brains always like storytelling. But like I said, I think sports is also whether we see it as an audience member, if we see it consciously or not, or feel it consciously or not, sports often are, I think, are a metaphor for life, right? You get, let's say football, you get hit, you get knocked down. Are you going to get up or not? Are you going to focus on the problem or 
come up with a creative solution? Are you going to come back from a, a big deficit and win? It, it often can mirror challenges and dreams in life, right? You know, what are you going to do with those obstacles and challenges? Are you going to let them keep you down or are you going to pick yourself up and dust yourself off? And I think, you know, the kids, I think on a lot of teams with the right coaching that's teaching you life lessons as well, it's, it's kind of like Marcus Aurelius and the Stoics. I'm getting a little deep, but, you know, the obstacle is the way. I like, I like that. I'm going to steal that. Do it. Let's talk a little bit about the style that you utilized. It's very intimate. Can you kind of pull the curtain back and talk a little bit about, you know, what the types of cameras you used and the way sure. you filmed? The trade document? secrets, trade secrets. There's very little spoken word in the film. You know, there's a couple parents here and there. You know, we don't use dubs. It's, it's, it's their personalities, it's their expression, it's their voice. But I, I didn't want to make a observational film which means I wanted, to, I wanted to make, or we wanted to make a audio-visual immersive experience, which means put you into it so you feel like you're with Amari and it's Amari and his friends telling their story, not me telling their story. It's not about them. It's them telling you who they are. And so between that and, not, and having very little spoken word, I wanted to... I wanted to hit on everyone's sense, all their senses as much as possible, right? And so this is a very sensory film. We're talking about sound. We're talking about hearing. It's a sense. And so for the hearing audience, I wanted to show the spectrum of sound from, from nothing, from silent to very saturated and everything in between. You, you know, as a hearing person, you can never understand totally what it's like to be deaf. But if I could give you just a little bit of a, to make you feel something. And then specifically, there's times like Amari sitting at the kitchen table where his whole family's talking. Well, I wanted you to feel it, not just hear it, feel it from his point of view, which is distant and muffled, right? In addition, I talked to them. You see it in the film, Amari and, and, and Jazzy now. They feel vibrations, right? So we used a lot of collaborate with our amazing composer and sound team and the kids, a lot of bassy sounds, a lot of distortions. You turn up the volume when you're watching this so you can feel it, right? And also I learned very often, you asked me what I learned. It's, it's not a silent world for them. Go in those locker rooms before the game. Go in that field. It ain't silent, right? And, and, and it's not silent in their brains. And so it's not a silent film. So you, using sound as a character was one thing. And also picture. So... You know, this is a youthful modern film and it's immersive. So I wanted to get in there and make it really colorful and feel like a teenager's world, how they see the world. You do an interesting thing during the games where you drop sound. It was like one of those things where I was like, oh, that's clever. Was that something you thought about early on? Or 12 years something? ago. What, really? Yeah, yeah. Because again, like you're on the field from the sideline there's, there's, there's hearing people there too. There's hearing people in the audience. You're hearing those cheers. But then when you're going tighter and you're more intimate with Amari, let's get intimate and it's going to be like, it's going to be more muffled or, 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 or quieter from his point of view. And so I want to show those distinctions, those different points of view from a hearing person's point of view and a deaf person's point of view. So you can see that, that duality in real time. 
with so many football movies, whether, you know, specifically, let's just talk nonfiction. There's so many, there's been so many, did you take it on as a challenge to want sure. to make yours look different? Yeah, I always do with everything I do. I don't want to ever do anything conventional. I want to, I want to challenge myself and, and, and do something not in a gimmicky way. It's got to be organic to the story, but I certainly learned from some of the best. I mean, one of my executive producers is Peter Berg, who, you know, directed Friday Night Lights, the film and the series. And like, let's be honest, doesn't that set the benchmark? Because I would argue, if you look at an hour of a episode of Friday Night Lights, it's probably only 10 minutes of football. In it. There's a human story that drives the football and raises the stakes. If you, like I said, if you know who the characters are and what their challenges are at home, you're going to care about them winning or losing more on the field. But I think that Pete certainly raised the bar and whether consciously or not influenced me. And then from there to build on that, it's like, okay, you know, working with the kids on sort of, like I said, how they see the world to make it immersive. It felt immersive, how close you got and you felt like you were in the, in the game. With yeah. That. You know, another thing I'll say is on Sunday or Monday night football and these days technology has gotten great. They have so many cameras, but you're not in here, right? You're still, you get long lens and I, I wanted to get, get in there. That makes sense now that Peter Berg was a, was an EP that, that all now makes sense. Personal opinion, Friday night lights, the movie or Friday night lights TV series. Man, that is tough. Oh, Pete's Pete might not like my answer. I don't know. I'm seeing him on Sunday TV show. I think. Okay, I will go on record and say I like the movie better. I am like the rare opinion. No, I love, look, here's the thing. I love the movie. There are some amazing actors in that show. I mean, look, Jesse Plemons, another Netflix nominee right now, Power of the Dog. I mean, all of them. Look at, the, look at who came from that show who Pete launched. So there's, there's part of that because I love sort of actors and there's some, there's some talent in that. I mean- Kyle Chandler and I mean just wow both of them are are tremendous um uh, I read the book I was saying I was, first yeah, yeah I read the book first and so I think that's why I had such the connection to the movie I did too I did too and I think I always liked the movie better and then over the years I've sort of switched over the show <laughs> you you started this off by talking about how supportive Netflix has been and I mean that's that's pretty incredible to be able to get a streamer and get anybody to jump behind a film like this. Can you talk about that process of, you know, did you come in with an idea? Did you I shoot came something? With everything. You did. Okay. Can you talk a little years, bit about that? I had 12 years of practice. So um, partnered with, I brought the project to Pete Berg's company, Film 45, where I, at the time had a development deal and obviously it fit his brand and he became an executive producer. I knew we were going to follow Amari and, and Jalen and Lyra and the father story and all of that. And when we brought it to Netflix, it was just the right time, you know, documentaries caught up and finally uh, there's audiences, way bigger audiences for it. Right. And it's, it's such exciting times and brought it to Netflix. And they really got excited about it. They got it. Like I said, they had done Deaf You, they had done Crip Camp, you know, accessibility, representation, sensitivity to that, equality. It's really important to the brand. Telling diverse stories by diverse filmmakers 
and they got behind it. So it's a Netflix original. We made it together. As a doc filmmaker, how excited are you about the marketplace right now? Oh my God. Yeah. It's like, it's great. I don't know if I'd say it's the wild west. It's past that now. It's great. It's exciting. All these docs, you know, whether they are shortlisted or nominated, they're so important that they're made. They're all impactful stories, right? They're important stories by people that in communities that maybe several years ago didn't have an outlet to tell those stories. There wasn't a place to tell them or it was too cost prohibitive to make a film in an Afghan refugee camp or in Juarez or, you know, I'm doing a film in Nigeria now. It, 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 you know, it's so it's such exciting times. And it's like, look, I follow in the footsteps of all the other filmmakers and doc filmmakers that I admire. You know, I'm not I'm, I'm really humbled and grateful. I don't love attention with the nomination, more so what this means for the deaf community, the, the attention for them, the nomination or, you know, if it if it if it wins, it lifts them up. It's a win for the deaf community. Yeah, of course. How does it feel to be an Oscar nominated filmmaker? Like what, tell me about that moment you found out you were nominated for an Academy Award. Well, it was surreal. I was in England in a hotel room because I'm shooting a a new documentary in England and Nigeria. It was the first one they announced because I didn't know that they read them in alphabetical order. And so it, I didn't realize until after if they had not read mine first, that means we wouldn't have been nominated. It was really surreal. I mean, like I said, I get, I don't love attention, which is why I'm behind the camera, but I, I think I cried some tears of joy uh, for what it meant for Niall and Amari and Jazzy and Lyra and the school. That's, that's special to me. Because this project took 12 years, does that mean a little bit more than yeah yeah like it's personal film to me this isn't like you know you don't may not know it you see this like white non-deaf guy jumping in this isn't like i just jumped in or someone gave me the job you know that school is a 154 year old school waiting for a story to be told i spent 12 years trying to get it made and and really help them tell their story it's not my story to tell it's theirs so yeah it, it it means a lot I think my mother finally realizes that filmmaking is, is not a hobby. It's actually my job now. I don't have to go get a real job. She finally believes it. And I'm taking her as my, as my date to the Oscars to prove it. What is the mentality going into the Academy Awards? How nervous are you? Do you, are you, do you know what you're wearing? I can't believe I have Do you I'm know just, what you're going to wear, I'm just man. grateful. Look, my job as a, as a filmmaker, I did. I told the story. and. Awards to me meant more of like, it's a gratitude thing. Like it's for all the hard work that everyone that worked on the film and supported the film, for, especially for, like I said, the kids in the film, for the community, I think, uh, I think that's the most important thing. I feel like Amari and Jazzy and Lyra already, already won whether they win an Academy Award or not. And so to me, it's just, I'm just grateful. Glad to be here, you know? Will you write a speech? Will you be one of those people who has one Yeah, I have to write it. I'm not going to be able to memorize it. I don't think I'm going to be able to memorize it. I'm going to write something down and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. A lot to fit in. A lot of people 
supported this. A lot of people to thank and, and b- bigger things to talk about. That's a lot to fit in in a short amount of time, but I'll do my best. You're already on to your next project. What is it? You know, what kind of stories get you excited right now? What, what do you want to kind of characters. stories you want to tell? Characters and worlds. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, this one, I can't say too much, but it's a feature documentary shooting in Nigeria and England about a, a Nigerian dancer, a boy uh, dancer. I, I can say that. Awesome. Okay. Well, Matt, thank you so much thank for you. doing the podcast, man. This has been great. And I'm so excited for you. Awards, you know, obviously we don't set out as creatives to, to that's not the, the, that's not the goal, the, but it's great. Yeah. I mean, and like, this is the goal. Like, I mean, so I, I wish you the best of luck, man. Thank I'm you, man. Thanks for, for supporting you. Steven. It really means a lot. There you have it. Everybody needs to check out Audible streaming now on Netflix. And we'll be rooting for Matt when the Academy Awards come along. I want to recommend a doc series for everybody to check out. It's on Showtime, directed by my good friend, Sasha Jenkins. It's called Everything's Gonna Be All White. Four parts. The first three are kind of your standard doc series. And then the fourth is hosted by Sasha this is a tremendous and important docu-series. It's kind of a history of America through the eyes of people of color. It is powerful, makes you think, and I cannot recommend it enough. Sasha does a tremendous job like he does on all of his projects, but definitely check that out on Showtime. That's going to do it for another episode of No Script, No Problem. For everybody listening, please remember to subscribe, download, and rate the show with five stars. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can also find it at Believe.com and at Believe Network. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Berkowitz and on Instagram at Steve M. Berkowitz. If you want to email me, shoot it over to noscriptnoproblempodcast at gmail.com. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Berkowitz for No Script, No Problem. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.